Well, I want to welcome all of you to worship again myself. I want to welcome all the people who are worshiping with us online. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for um, social distancing and doing all these things. I know there's a spike of uh, COVID cases going on around the nation and in our area too. And it, and it makes a difference that um, I was glad that we're able to still gather for worship because it makes a difference when we encourage each other. And I see people doing that all the time. And today I hope you'll have a lot of encouragement because that's why we entitled this series of Weary World Rejoices. There's a lot to rejoice about, um, even this year. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody a few weeks back. It was so funny. They said, well, I don't envy you this Christmas season. Man, there's not a lot to celebrate this Christmas. I said, oh, you don't know the Christmas story. Because there is so much to celebrate. And today, I want to give you seven reasons we can celebrate that God is with us. God is with us in 2020? Yeah, he is. Well, what difference does it make? Well, you're about to find out. It makes a lot of difference, and there's a lot to rejoice about today. So I'm going to pray that God is going to remind us of a number of things that we can celebrate no matter what our circumstances are. I'm going to pray that he's going to fill us up so much with joy and hope that we radiate that, and everywhere we go today, we'll be just giving that away. Will you pray with me about that? Heavenly Father, that's the reason we're gathering, is to worship you today. And every time we do, we remind ourselves that your love for us is simply outrageous. And at Christmas time, you came into our world to become one of us. And Lord, I want to talk about the implications of all that today. Because as we meditate on it, it's almost too marvelous to believe. And Lord, I pray that will inspire us to be joyous today. Because our joy and our hope is in you. Father, we'll focus on you and not just the problems in our life. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and remind us of good news, the good news of Christmas, that God is with us, no matter what we're going through. Oh, that's good news. And our world needs to hear it. I need to hear it. And so, Lord, please remind us of that again. Move me out of the way, Lord. Say whatever you want to say to us in the name of Jesus. I pray these things. Amen. Well, the first thing I'd share with you today is that the Christmas story tells us how God became one of us and lived with us. I mean, that's the gist of the Christmas story, that God became a human being. There's a little summation of this in Matthew chapter 1, uh, and an angel is appearing in a dream to Joseph, who was engaged to Mary. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born, Matthew 1.18. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. Jesus, by the way, means God saves. That's what his name means. Uh, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, the, through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. I mean, I read that little account because an angel reminded Joseph of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that a virgin will give birth to a child, 
And they're called the child Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, there were a number of titles and names given to Jesus. Um, that he'd be the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That he would be Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, all throughout Scripture, there's titles given to Jesus, and they're amazing. But probably none that it helps us uh, experience joy in the midst of hardship more than knowing that God is with us. And there are seven reasons we can rejoice about that this Christmas season. We'll get to that in just a second. But in John 1.14, it explains a little more about this. John says, so the word, which means God, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. At Christmas time, we celebrate that God is with us. And that's significant. It's the first statement. I've put these all in statements of why we can rejoice. Because Jesus came at Christmas, we know God wants to be with us. We know God wants to be with us. And as I reflected over my notes this morning, it occurred to me, I wish I would have said it this way, because Jesus came at Christmas, I know God wants to be with me. I wish I would have made it personal. I mean, it's true for all of us, and so the statement's correct, but I want to make it personal, and you'll see why in a second. So I'd like for us to say this out loud, starting with because there, because Jesus came at Christmas, I know God wants to be with, with me. Can you read that with me, please? Because Jesus came at Christmas, I know God wants to be with me. Now, this is important because I meet people all the time, and there's a passage that we're going to read together here in a second from Ephesians 1. And this passage is highlighted in my Bible, and I hand it to people, and I have them read it out loud when they come to my office and they go, I don't think God loves me. I don't think God cares much about me. I'm not as pretty as so-and-so. I'm not as smart as so-and-so. I'm not anything in my family. I've had people tell me my whole life I'm not going to amount to much. I feel like the whole world's against me. Plus, I've blown it a hundred times. I don't even know if God knows my name. And then I have him read this passage. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Only I don't have him read it that way. Everywhere it says us, I have them, I have them say me. So I want us to read that little paragraph there from Ephesians 1 together. Everywhere it says us, if you put in the word, the pronoun me, make it personal. Read with me, please. Even before he made the world, God loved me and chose me in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt me into his own family by bringing me to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Christmas is a story of how God became one of us because that was the way he could make it possible to have a relationship with each of us, a personal relationship, sinners in rebellion against him. He died on the cross for me. He came into this world to save me because I am precious to him. I meet with so many people. They think they're too fat. They're too stupid. 
They've never achieved anything. And they've had people tell them this. And I want you to hear it today as loudly as I can say this. God loves you just the way you are. And he sent Jesus into this world because he's crazy about you. Man, if I could get that. I mean, what can you rejoice about this Christmas in 2020? God loves me. He came into the world to save me. Before the world began, he decided in advance that because he loved me, he was going to adopt me, a filthy, rotten sinner, into his family. And he made the way possible for that. Man, this is why the whole world needs to hear this. We can rejoice in that, no matter who we are. I don't have to be the tallest or the most beautiful or the smartest or the most successful. I don't have to be the best in my family, the best in my class. I don't have to do anything like that. God loves me for who I am, and he knows exactly who I am. And he came into this world for me. And that's the message of Christmas. I could stop right there, but there's just so much more. I'm going to keep going, okay? Here's another reason we can rejoice. I can rejoice because Jesus came at Christmas and proves he wants to be with me. I mean, why else would he do it? Secondly, I can rejoice because Jesus came at Christmas. We know that God understands us. I mean, he understands me. Listen to this passage. This high priest of ours, speaking of Jesus, understands our weaknesses he faced because he faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we'll receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Does God even understand where I am? Does he know how hard my life is? Does he know what I'm going through? Oh, yeah, he knows everything you're going through. Jesus was so poor, the only thing he owned was the robe on his back, and when he was crucified, that was taken off of him, and the soldiers gambled for it. Does Jesus know what it's like to be rejected? Yeah, all of his disciples left him. When he needed the most. Does Jesus know what it's like to be treated unfairly? He was nailed to a cross for crimes he didn't commit. He knows what it's like to be poor. He knew what it was like to be a minority. He knew what it was like to live under an oppressive government. He knew what it was like to have religious people turn their backs on him him and even spit on him and mock him. The people who should have loved him the most. He went for 40 days without food so he would be as weak as possible when the devil himself came to tempt him and he didn't sin. He knows what it's like to be tempted in every possible way. And that's why when we come to Jesus and pray with our deepest, darkest sin, we don't have to fear he doesn't understand how how weak we are. He knows. We don't have to be afraid he doesn't understand how strong the temptation was. He knows. We don't have to be afraid that he doesn't understand what we're going through. He knows. He stood at the tomb of his friend Lazarus and wept. He knows what it's like to lose your best friend. In fact, he knows what it's like to die himself. He knows. And so whatever we're going through this Christmas, there is one person in the universe who gets you better than you even get yourself, and that's Jesus. And if that's good news to you today, would you say amen? I mean, we've hit two of these statements so far. We can rejoice even in 2020 because if God is with us, it means he wants to be with us. He wants to be with me. And if God became one of us, then he understands us. 
He gets us. If anybody else, even if nobody else gets us, he does. Thirdly, we can rejoice because Jesus came at Christmas. We can understand God. Not only does it mean we can be sure he understands us, now we can finally understand him. I mean, this is creator God of the universe. How are we supposed to understand anything about him? Hebrews 1 talks about this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. And the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time. Maybe through a miracle or a plague or a judgment or a blessing or a prophet or a dream. So they only got a fragment at a time building one truth upon another. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. And the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. And so when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, he was God in the flesh. And when he spoke, we could finally understand what God was like. I mean, there were prophets that had written words God had told them. There were miracles that had been done. But people had only, they got, we got glimpses and snapshots of God. And now here was God in the flesh explaining things. And that's why when Jesus taught the Bible, it says when Jesus taught the Bible, people sat there dumbfounded. They'd never heard anybody teach like this. Everybody else gave opinions. Jesus said, no, let me tell you how it really works. And he did things that were amazing. I don't know if you caught this. When, when we read John 1.14, it said that he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That was something people had missed about God. Because by the time, at the time when Jesus was walking the streets of Jerusalem, well, there were people in religious authoritative positions and positions of religious authority who were very much legalists, and they were all about power, and they stressed over and over again God's punishment and his wrath, and they were demanding all sorts of rigid laws, and then very little of God's love and faithfulness had come through. And then on the scene bursts Jesus. He'd walk up to a man covered in leprosy, and he'd touch him. And everybody else is running away because they'll get, they'll get the disease, but Jesus would heal the man. There was a woman caught in the very act of adultery. She was probably half naked, dragged in front of Jesus in the temple. And his enemies who, didn't, who hated what Jesus stood for because he was exposing all their religious hypocrisy, they drug her in front of Jesus, threw her down in front of her at dawn one morning when he was just beginning to teach. And they said, hey, Jesus, you say you, you come from God and you represent God. Well, Moses said that if a woman got caught in an act of adultery like this woman, she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And they didn't really want an answer. They just wanted to trap him. And it said that Jesus got down on his knee, wrote in the dirt. And he said, well, let the one who's without sin throw the first stone. And then he just stared at him. One by one, they put down their rocks and walked away. When they were all gone, he turned to the woman. He said, where are all your accusers? And she said, well, there aren't any. And Jesus said, well, then I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. 
And when he did stuff like this, the crowds would gasp. Oh, they'd long for a relationship with God where God would love them and accept them. I mean, Jesus understands us. He knows every situation. He knew where that woman had been. He understands, and he loves us anyway. God's love and his faithfulness. And all this comes screaming at us through the Christmas story. And we can rejoice, even in 2020. Because now we can understand God as he really is. Not an angry God waiting to smite us, but a loving God who came to save us. Hmm. One other reason we can rejoice real quickly is this. Because Jesus came at Christmas, we can have a personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with him. Because if you think about it, okay, well, it's great that God wants to come into our world and God understands me and I can understand him, but I still can have a relationship with him because he's holy God and I'm sinful me. I mean, you probably know people like this and I know people like this. They're very reluctant to ever come to a meeting like this. They, oh, I can't come to church. I'm too much of a sinner. I mean, God can't forgive me. I've committed way too much junk in my life. I'm broken. I'm, I'm worthless. And again, they might have been told this, but I want you to hear some words of hope here. Romans 5.8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. We're not his enemies. We can be his friends. When Jesus came into the world, he said, here's why I'm becoming a human being. I'm going to be tempted in every way that you are. But I won't sin. And as a result, I can be offered up as a sacrifice for the whole human race. Sinless me for the sinful world. I'll take all the wrath of God on me. You take my righteousness on you. That's the deal. That's why Jesus came. Can you imagine if you owed a million dollars and there's no way you could pay it? You're a million dollars in debt. And Bill Gates calls you up and he says, hey, I'm going to make you a one-time deal. See what you think about this. I'll take your million dollars of debt and I'll give you a billion dollars of my money. What do you say? Well, let me think about it. I mean, you're going, that's unbelievable. Well, now imagine a deal that's a trillion times better than that deal. All my sin, guilt, and shame goes on Jesus. All of his righteousness, holiness, and love comes to me. That's the exchange. And we're going to unpack that even more next week. But that's why we can rejoice. God wants a relationship with me. He understands me completely. He knows exactly how sinful and weak I am. He knows everything I'm going through. He knows how hard my life is. He makes it possible for me to understand him. I and mean, we were actually hearing him talk out loud. We can read his own words. And he paid the penalty for our sins so we can have a right relationship with God and walk right into the throne room of heaven anytime we want. This is why we rejoice. 
Now, there was a passage I, I skipped over a little bit ago. I want to go back to following your outline. It's on the front page there. It's from John 14, 8. The night before he was crucified, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And it's interesting. Philip, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? It's about three and a half years at this time. Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And I put that passage in there because it's kind of jumped off the page to me this Christmas. I think the Lord would say a lot of things to us this Christmas. It's like if we're feeling down and we're kind of moping that, oh, we're down about this Christmas. What's there to rejoice about? It's like he'd go, John, how many Christmases have you been celebrating now? How long have you been going to church? And you still don't know that Christmas means I chose to become one of you? You still don't know that I came into the world and I understand every problem you have better than you do. You still don't know that because I came into the world, now you can understand me and you can have a personal relationship with me. And after all those Christmases, you're still feeling down this Christmas? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. No, we can rejoice. The weary world rejoices. Because these things are all true. Again, I could stop right here, but there's still more. If you're going, John, could there be more? Let's show them what's behind door number two. There's even more. Point number two. Through a personal relationship with Jesus, God will always be with us. Not just at Christmas. This wasn't a one-time occurrence when Jesus entered history for about 30, 33 and a half years. Mm -mm. That's even the sweetest part. Okay, so I know God came into the world. I know he gets me. I get him. He died on the cross for sins and, and paid the penalty for all my sins. So I begin a relationship with him and I say, God, I thank you for paying a debt I could never pay. I give my life to you. Then here's what happens next. Listen to a couple of scriptures. Right before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. With you every day, everywhere you go. I'm sending you all around the world, so I'll be with you, no matter where you go. Every day, till the end of the world. How's he going to do that? Well, this is back to that instruction that he gave them when he was telling them about who he was when we were reading a little bit earlier, uh, when he was telling Philip, it's like that I am, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He went on to say, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. And on Pentecost Sunday, that's when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and entered into them. Not only do we have a relationship with God, but Jesus said, while I'm preparing a place for you in heaven, I'm going to ask my father to send the Holy Spirit. He'll be in you and he will transform you from the inside out. That's why he's with us wherever we go. Jesus is in us. Wherever I go, he goes with me. He's already there. He's in me. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, he's in you. Now, there's some implications about that. Three more reasons we can rejoice because that's true. 
I mean, this isn't a one-time thing. He's always with me. I can rejoice. Here's why. Because God is always with us. We don't need to be afraid of anything. Because God, the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, because his spirit dwells within me, well, what am I afraid of? This is why Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. He was writing to Timothy, and he said, look, when you go out and tell people about Jesus, not everybody's going to buy into this. Some people are going to resent you for even bringing this up. They're not going to accept this. You're going to be mistreated, laughed at, mocked, all that stuff. He wrote him. That's what the whole letter of 2 Timothy's about. Keep your chin up. Don't be afraid. God didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Holy Spirit isn't afraid. And listen to this passage. 1 John 4, 4. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. We read that last week, and I wanted to read it again. Would you, in fact, would you read this verse with me, please? The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world, which means we don't even need to be afraid of the devil. Now, if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? That means that with the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I can resist the devil and he will flee from me. Scripture says that. It's true. That was never true before. Now, if he's always with me, then what situation am I going to come across that's too hard for God to handle? So you're saying, John, if I'm a Christian, I'll never go through hard things. I didn't say that at all. What I said was, when we face hard things, when we face scary things, we know that the Lord is with us, and he will protect us, and he will show us what to do in every circumstance. And that brings us to the next point. We can rejoice also, because God is always with us. We can always count on him to guide us. I mean, his Holy Spirit is always in us. So he, whenever we come to a fork in the road, he's at the fork in the road with us. Lord, do you see what's in front of me? Yep, I'm right here. Saw the whole thing. I understand it better than you do. A couple of verses from John 14 and six, uh, also from chapter 16. They're all in one extended lesson from Jesus. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. An orphan has to look out for himself. An orphan has to figure out where he's going to get dinner. An orphan has to figure out where he's going to sleep. If he's out on the street and doesn't have anybody taking care of him, he's, looking for, he's taking care of himself, fending for himself. And Jesus said, I'm not leaving you. He's telling his disciples, I'm not leaving you as orphans. The Holy Spirit will be in you. He'll always be with you. So you don't need to be afraid of anything, and I'll guide you. I mean, how wonderful is that? My kids weren't orphans. They didn't know exactly what we were going to have for dinner every night, but they knew mom was cooking dinner. Or if dad was cooking, we were eating out. <laughs> they knew that. They weren't worried about going hungry. Mom and dad are going to take care of us. The Lord says, that's the way I want you to understand. I'm your heavenly father. I'm going to ask our heavenly father to send the Holy Spirit to be in you. Don't be afraid. And don't worry. I'll guide you. By the way, if you don't know what to do, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. If this is good news to you, then would you say amen? That's why we rejoice. 
I mean, we're all going through 2020, but the Lord's going through it with us. So we don't have to be afraid. He knows what we're going through. And if we need direction, we can ask him. We can also rejoice. Here's another reason. Because God is always with us, we have the power to live life abundantly regardless of our circumstances. I have the power to live an abundant life. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's working in you. He's working in me right now. That's why we come to him. Changing us from the inside out. Was never able to overcome this addiction before. That's why the Holy Spirit's given to you. Never able to control my temper before. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to you. Never able to stop my tongue from saying too much before. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to you. He'll give you the desire and the power to change. Will you yield? Hmm. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. A fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit looks like love and joy and peace. This is what happens when we realize the Holy Spirit is in us. And if he's in us and he's with us always, there's no situation I'm going to come to that is scary to him. It's scary to me, but not to him. There's no problem that's too hard to him, for him to solve. So if I don't know what to do, he'll show me what to do. And he'll give me the power to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And that's why Jesus said, so I'm leaving you with a gift. It's peace of mind and heart. And he can give that gift because one of his names, besides Emmanuel, God with us, is Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace can give us peace. He invented it. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Right now, the world is giving us headlines. And man, most of them are about things that we can't control and it's scary and terrifying, going to get worse, it's going to get dark, it's going to get bad, it's going to be horrible, it's going to be awful. Tune in for more. And for you and me, we got to somewhere say, hey, you know what? I can rejoice. Even though I live in a weary, weary world, I can rejoice because God is with me. He loves me. His love for me is outrageous. He wants to be with me. He understands me. He knows exactly who I am and loves me anyway. In fact, he died on a cross to make it possible for me to have a relationship with him. And I understand him. He's always with me now. He's in me. His spirit is in me. He'll guide me. He'll protect me. And he'll give me peace that passes my understanding. Now, this is the good news of Christmas. That's why we rejoice. This is what it means that God is with us. There's more, but this is all, we're, we're out of time. So let me just make one last point here. Here's the question for you and me, though. We must each decide whether or not we want to be with Jesus. It's not a question of whether God wants to be with us. It's a question of whether or not I want to be with God. That's always the big question. This is why idolatry is so tempting. See, idolatry 
isn't you worship God, the God who comes into our world to save us. Idolatry is we make a God that we want, that has all the facets that we want. And we don't make little idols anymore, but we do shape an image of God that we want, a God that will give us prosperity all the time, no problems, give us the right job, the right relationships, the right success, never get sick, no problems. You give me a God like that, yeah, I'll worship that God because he's given me everything I want. Jesus didn't offer that at all. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I'm the creator God who made you. And so I made you the way you are. I know the problems you're going through. And if you'll trust me, I'll guide you on a path for your life using your circumstances, using your gifts, your problems, your challenges, all that. I'm going to weave through your life in such an amazing way that I'm going to shape your character so that you become a beautiful person inside and out. I'm going to prepare you for heaven if you'll trust me. And you'll have an abundant life that will blow your mind. But you've got to trust me. And a lot of times it's not going to look right to you. Even then you've got to trust me that I'm just smarter than you. Because I am. That's what he says. Because I am. I'm infinitely smarter than you. And that's the big challenge. He came into the very world he created. I mean, this was the challenge when he came into the world. John says Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. That's why Mary and Joseph are laying the baby in a hay trough, not a hospital bed. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who did believe him, all who accepted him, gave them the right to become the children of God, to be adopted into his family, which is what he's wanted from the foundation of the world. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Only he can do this. So the big question for me is whether I want this. And every year, I love talking about Christmas stories, the Christmas story, because it brings it all up again. Now, I gave you seven reasons to rejoice that he's always with us. Here's one, another reason we rejoice. It's a bonus. There's even more. Rejoice. Here's an eighth one. We can surrender our lives to Jesus today. I mean, what he wants is he wants us to acknowledge that. God says, at just the right time I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today's the day of salvation. And once you realize what he's doing, why, why, what are you fighting against? You're still going to go your own way? You don't even know where you're going. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your souls. Jesus said that. Come to me, I'll give you living water. You'll never thirst again. Come to me, I'm the bread of life. You eat from this, you'll be satisfied forever. Come to me. And all that was possible, and we know all that because he became one of us. I'm going to have a word of prayer for us in just a minute, but I want to tell you about one other thing. Inside your bulletin, you'll find a little card, and it's a gift for you card. If you could take that card and hold, on, hold it out for a little bit. You're watching online, you can go to our website, you'll find instructions for this. You can even print one of these out at home. But the idea behind this, this is not a gift card, it's a gift for you card. It's not loaded with cash. This is something, in fact, it's just the opposite. It's something we want you to use to be kind to someone else. Maybe somebody who hasn't experienced God's kindness. I mean, today, think of all the encouragement we received right here. Because we came to worship, we go, oh my goodness, I can rejoice right in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. Those other people, they may not have anybody giving them any kind of hope. 
Well, this is one way to remind people that God loves them. Front side, it says at Christmas, God gave the world the greatest gift ever. And then it quotes 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The other side says, here's a little gift from us. Merry Christmas. We're hoping that you can do a little act of kindness for people. Just attach this card, maybe to an anonymous gift. What am I talking about? Baking some brownies or some cookies and leaving them for the mailman or the people who pick up your garbage. Like when you're going through a drive-thru, you ask how much the ticket is for the guy behind you in the drive-thru, getting a coffee or getting some coffee or a fast food meal. And you pay for it and say, you tell the person at the window, would you hand this card to the person when they come up and tell them their meal was paid for, wishing Merry Christmas? It's got our website on there. And we're hoping that people, some people, this very card, just getting the gift, will remind them, oh, there's kindness in the world. There's hope. Could be picking up a box of donuts, dropping them off at a police precinct or at a um, firehouse for some firemen. Could be making a home-cooked meal and dropping it off um, for a family that's been impacted by COVID. If you go to centeringlives.com, you'll find a list of a whole bunch more ideas. Ideas, just attach this and then pray for them. Pray that God will bless them and give them hope and joy this Christmas. And you know why I was praying, Lord, fill us up with hope and joy. You and I get all juiced with hope and joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can spread it everywhere. And that's what God wants for Christmas. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I would love for you to fill me with so much joy and hope that I radiate it. People go, don't you read the newspapers? Don't you read the headlines? Don't you know what's going on? Sure. I also know that Jesus came into this world, that he loves me, he died for me, and when he goes with me, there's no problem that can't be solved. He'll always give me direction. He'll give me the power to do what I need to do. He'll give me the power to forgive. He'll give me the power to start again. He'll give me the power to overcome. Whatever I need, he'll provide it, and he's always with me. He'll forgive me when I blow it. He'll help me start again. Oh, Jesus, I pray that these cards will be given out with gifts and that people's eyes will be, it might bring tears to somebody's eyes. I pray that somebody will get on our website and find our phone number to listen to maybe this message. They'll get hope. They'll be reminded of how great you are and what Christmas really means. Oh, we rejoice today that you're with us and we surrender our lives to you. In one quick moment of silence, if you need to surrender your life to Christ, do it today. Today is the day of salvation. If you made a decision to follow Christ years ago, but there's an area in your life where you go, well, that's not, that needs to be surrendered. Maybe my tongue or my temper, maybe my finances, whatever it is, surrender that now and say, God, you know I need your help with this. Oh, Jesus, thank you for coming into our world. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. Empower us. Strengthen us. Let us be fountains of love everywhere we go. In the name of Christ, we pray.